Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome into another episode of the Legal Toolkit on the Legal Talk Network. As the snow begins to melt and spring comes forth, our thoughts turn to wearable technology for lawyers, because of course it does. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. I'm your host, Jerry Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, LOMAP for short, because that's easier to say. We provide free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. You can buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association, on iTunes, or at Amazon. Next month, Heidi Alexander will have you again. She's my co-host. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to go check out the latest special reports on Legal Talk Network. There you'll find 32 great interviews with leaders from the American Bar Association discussing their various divisions, committees, and programs. These interviews were recorded live at the 2015 ABA Mid-Year Meeting and are loaded with useful information. So make sure you check those out. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to be talking about wearable technology because there has to be an intermediate step before microchips are implanted directly into our skulls. Just so you know, I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat right now. I prefer to make mine out of saran wrap. We'll talk about the rise of cloud computing and mobile technology, which has led us into a world in which rimless eyeglasses and watches have become supercomputers. Nikki Black is our guest today. Nikki is a Rochester, New York-based attorney and the legal technology evangelist. Wait, Nikki, is that a real title? It actually is. <laughs> it's uh, my new title, and I really like it because for years that was what I called myself on Twitter. And as part of my bio, and I didn't realize that was actually a job title until we did some research on it. So it means I share information with lawyers about the intersection of law and tech, basically. I know I should have majored in legal technology evangelism in college. That's my bad. So Nikki's the legal technology evangelist at my case, a law practice management software company. She's the author of the American Bar Association's Cloud Computing for Lawyers, which she wrote in 2012, and the co-author of the ABA's Social Media, The Next Frontier, That was published in 2010. Pretty prescient, if you ask me. Nikki also co-wrote Criminal Law in New York, a Thompson West treatise. She authors a weekly column for The Daily Record and has written numerous other articles. She's a frequent speaker at conferences on the subject of the intersection of law, mobile computing, and internet-based technology. So welcome to the show, Nikki, technology evangelist. Thanks so much. Looking forward to it. And we were talking before uh, we did the recording. We've never done a podcast before, which is a tragedy, which we are now remedying. So let's start by laying some groundwork here. Nikki, before we start talking about wearables, let's talk about attorneys and how they're typically late adopters, especially with respect to technology. Why do you think it is that lawyers are are adapting to mobile technology at such a rapid rate as opposed to their late adoption of other types of technology? Well, I think mobile tech is really interesting with lawyers because when you look at the statistics, the ABA's uh, annual legal technology survey 
is a great way to sort of get a sense of what lawyers are doing with technology. And you see with a mobile technology, there's a really quick up, you know, uptick. They start using that right away as soon as smartphones in particular came out in 07, but even prior to that with their Blackberries, which hmm. arguably is a smartphone, but um, we won't get into that. <laughs> but, but I think the reason that lawyers like mobile tech is because they had their cell phones. Cell phones were just a quick leap from regular phones and it gave them mobility and smartphones are just another step from that. So it was it's still familiar to them, whereas other types of technology really are a new frontier to them. And so they're slower to adapt to them and um, become at ease with them and use them more quickly. Oh, sorry. I was checking my BlackBerry. Um, <laughs> so the spread of cloud computing applications is really what sort of underlies this ability to practice in a mobile fashion. So can you talk a little bit about how cloud computing supports mobile technology? Absolutely. They really are intertwined. You can have the cloud without mobile, but you can't have um, really mobile the way that we use it today without the cloud. And that's because mobile devices, they're small, right? You hold them in your hand and they're constrained by their memory, they're constrained by the processing power, and they're constrained by battery life. Their size makes it so that there are these constraints upon how the technology can be used, how big the, you know, the chips can be, how big the batteries can be. So uh, when you take these devices alone, there's really not a lot that can be done on them because there's not a lot of memory available. Mm -hmm. But when you combine it with cloud computing, and just to take a real quick step back, and when you combine it with cloud computing, you can have the data processing and the storage outside of the mobile devices. And just to take a quick step yeah. back, yes. for those that don't know what cloud computing is, mm -hmm. cloud computing is when your data is stored on servers owned and maintained by third parties. So instead of your data being stored on your phone, on your computer, on the servers located in your offices. It's stored on servers that are owned and maintained by someone else. So when you're using all of these different apps on your phone, Dropbox, Facebook, you know, whatever the PDF annotation apps, mm -hmm. your data is sometimes stored on your device, but more often than not, it is stored also offsite on servers owned by the company or company that they contract with that owns the servers where the data is housed. And the processing also goes on because it's not just storage, it's software on those servers. The software that runs these programs, it makes them accessible, makes it more than just document storage. Yeah. So, and none of that could happen on your phone because the computer on your phone just simply isn't big or powerful enough to do those things. So that's why these two go hand in hand. And that's what makes your smartphone a computer in your hand so that you actually have access to all the world's information on this small device, as long as you have an internet or data connection. You talk about people with Blackberries. Do you know I only have a, a flip phone? And that's a true story. I did not know that. <laughs> it changes my whole perception of you. Do you feel like I'm somehow disqualified now to host this show? No. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you listen to The Who, the rock band? I know some of their songs from when I was some of their songs. way back when. Yeah, of course. Oh boy. All right, you know Going Mobile? Great song off the greatest rock album of all time, Who's Next? So let's talk about Going Mobile for attorneys. It's great that we have the smartphones that lawyers can use in the BlackBerry or flip phones for those of us who are less technologically inclined. But how about um, lawyers using smartphones, tablets, other mobile technology in their practice? I know you talked a little bit about the penetration um, based on that ABA uh, Legal Technology Resource Center survey, but what ways are lawyers specifically using mobile now in their practices? There's really a lot of ways, and it depends upon the particular lawyer, but really the sky's the limit. Lawyers are using mobile 
devices, smartphones and tablets, to practice law from anywhere mm-hmm. as long as they have an internet connection. So what that means that they can do is, using the right software and the right tools, they can access all of their firm's data from any smartphone or tablet. That means that they can access their firm's files, their firm's documents, their firm's contacts, their firm's, um, if they have software set up that allows them to actually have messaging with their clients and discussions with their clients, they can access all of those communications. So it means that they can access their law firm's information no matter where they are using a tablet or a smartphone. It also means that they can create and review documents. More often than not, they're reviewing them more than creating them because it can be difficult to create complex documents using these tools. But you can review, annotate, you know, add notes, add audio files, and then email them off to an associate, off to an assistant. So Mm -hmm. you can be on your commute and you can actually do work on your commute, on your smartphone or on your tablet. Lawyers are using them in the courtroom. They're Mm -hmm. using them to pull up documents related to their cases. They're using these tablets to uh, keep track of voir dire. They're using the um, apps on the tablets for trial presentation software. So, you know, there really are so many different ways to use mobile devices in conjunction with cloud computing software to practice law from just about anywhere. Practice law so you're not tethered to your desk so that you can go anywhere and have access to all of your law firm's files. So let's talk specifically about wearables now. Are attorneys incorporating these items into their technology platforms already? And if so, how are they going about doing that? Some lawyers are. They are most certainly in the minority. Uh, Mm -hmm. There have been some really interesting ways that lawyers are doing that. We're going to end up talking about um, watches in particular. I think that that's going to take off the most with lawyers, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with the Apple Watch event and that release, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But I think the reason... I'm going to talk about quickly about watches, but then we'll talk about that a lot more. And then sure. I want to talk about um, Google Glass and that type of thing. Watches, yeah. I think, are what is really going to catch on because it's an extension of the smartphone. It's unobtrusive. We all wear watches, or at least we used to. And <laughs> it gives lawyers access to information that they truly need in an unobtrusive way. So whether it's in court or in a meeting, they can filter only certain things to their watch. So instead of pulling the smartphone out, they can get a message that they've got a call from their secretary or someone important that they've allowed to get filtered through. So they can actually get that information easily in court or um, other types, or they can dictate using the watch. But we'll talk more about that. But I do want to very quickly talk about why I think that Google Glass and the the like were slow to take off, how lawyers are using them infrequently. That's interesting. But so with Google Glass, I actually had a um, pair that was – Tim Stanley from Just D helped me get access to a pair early on, and mm-hmm. I tested them out, and they um, uh, it was very interesting, and there is a lot of potential, but the problem is I didn't even really feel comfortable going outside wearing them because there is a lot of, you know, there have been a lot of people don't understand them, people are suspicious, and I really didn't want to get into an altercation with somebody just because <laughs> I wanted to wear my Google Glass. So there's... Definitely that issue. You're afraid of being assaulted on the streets of Rochester, New York. I what was. is this world coming to? I was, I was. Um, <laughs> there are some people, lawyers, that are actually using them, and they've written about it. Uh, mm-hmm. One really interesting case that I saw where um, a law firm used um, Google Glass, they didn't use it themselves. They gave it, uh, it was a PI firm, and um, they would give it to their injured clients. Like So, for yeah. example, they gave it to their paraplegic client to wear it throughout his entire day so that they could create a day-in-the-life video from 
their client's perspective so that the jurors, or for settlement purposes, could really Mm -hmm. see what it was like to live like that and how it affected this person's life. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to um, how lawyers are actually using them, some of them would use it during depositions. They would use it to record what was going on. One or two have tried to use it in the courtroom, but, you know, it it was... um, it's definitely a very new technology and it isn't, it's hard to get into the courtroom and get permission to do it. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's pretty interesting. I think the Apple watch is interesting in particular because people are thinking you're just checking the time, but then you're doing work. It's like the perfect lawyer device. Um, and we're certainly going to talk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to make a small digression for a second here just to get your thoughts on this. So there's wearables and then there's mobile technology. Where do you think mobile technology crosses into the line of something that's wearable? Does it have to be like a pair of glasses or a watch that you actually physically wear on your body? Or is there some definition out there that you subscribe to? Well, I think wearables mean that somehow they're attached to your body. I mean, it's, you know, that either it's by a watch or glasses. Those are the two predominant ways that that is occurring now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I think that we may eventually have implants. You know, who knows? I mean, they have contacts. I think Google may have been testing contacts. I can't recall. Mm -hmm. So um, there are all sorts of really interesting concepts out there, but it is so unfamiliar to people, especially the glasses concept, that it's just more difficult of a sell, and yeah. people look upon it with suspicion. So Yes. Until we get computer pants, I will be unsatisfied. So thanks, Nikki. This has been great so far. Unfortunately, I'm worn out. See what I did there? So we need to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some more about wearable technology with Nikki Black of My Case. This is normally the space in our show when we offer words from our sponsors. And this potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. The Legal Talk Network is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here, read by yours truly. If you're interested, contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at legaltalknetwork.com. Welcome back. We're joined today by Nikki Black of My Case, and we're talking about the coming dominance of wearable technology. Welcome back, Nikki. Thanks. All right. We alluded to this previously, but now we're going to talk more about the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is actually trending on Twitter today, the very day we're recording this show. So what effect is the Apple Watch going to have on wearable technology? I mean, Christy Turlington uses one, right? So it's all good. You would think. I suppose so. That was, that was the <laughs> message they were trying to send with that, I think. And for those who didn't watch the Apple promotional piece on the Apple Watch, I think they had Christy Turlington come up and talk about how she used it to like organize a marathon in Africa for charity. You know, just stuff that normal people do. Right, exactly. Um, well, the thing with the Apple Watch, and I've been waiting for it for a long time, is Apple tends to be the one to release the technology that is the tipping point for Mm -hmm. the particular type of tech. So even though Android watches have been out, and I've actually interviewed a couple of lawyers, um, Jeff Taylor of the Droid Lawyer and Rick Georges, um, I have an above the law column where I write about um, ways different lawyers are using a certain type of tech in their practice. And Mm -hmm. there are two lawyers that come to mind that actually use Android devices, and Rick Georges had talked to me about how he uses his Droid device in his practice and how he finds it to be, he writes the Black Future Lawyer, how he finds it to be really useful. And uh, Mitch Jackson, speaking of I, Google Glass, that's who's, his name was escaping me earlier. He's yeah. used Google Glass often, and I'd interviewed him about that. But, you know, even though some lawyers have been using watches, it's the 
Apple Watch that I think is going to be the tipping point because it's going to be the consumer watch that everybody starts buying. And you're going to see more lawyers using it because more lawyers use iPhones than Androids at this point, although Android's quickly picking up the market share in the legal market. Yeah. So, so Apple Watch is the tipping point. So here is a $20,000 legal toolkit question. And I really need to update that figure for inflation. But we talked a little bit about this, but let's talk about the Apple Watch specifically. What ways do you think lawyers are going to be able to use Apple Watches in their law firms that are going to make them more efficient, better attorneys, uh, whatever kind of advantages they can gain from that? What do you think? Well, when it comes to the smartwatch market, I do think, and I don't often say this, but that the genders are going to use it differently. And I think that it's going to be more in the regular consumer market, well-received by women. And in the legal oh. market, I do think it's going to be a little more equal. But oh, that's interesting. I often see, Why do you think that? Well, because I often see people that don't seem very enamored with a watch when they write about it. They're men. And they're like, yeah. I can just take it out of my back pocket. But our experiences as women are different. We carry them in our purses. And yeah. once you're out somewhere where it's noisy, whether it's a restaurant or a bar or just out in public, as soon as your phone rings or dings, you can't hear it. And because it's hidden in your purse, you don't feel that vibration. The men oftentimes have it in their back pocket or in an inside pocket of their um, coat or of their uh, jacket. Oh, I see. So for them, they're saying, we can just pull my smartphone out of my pocket. What do I care? It's yeah. not that big of a difference. Yeah. But they're already getting all those notifications because it's closer to their bodies, whereas women, it's in their purses. And mm. so those mm. notifications are going to matter a lot more because it gives you quick access to this phone that's tucked away in your purse. And mm. you can get those, whether you're a lawyer or a mother who's a stay-at-home mom or is in some other line of work, you get these notifications more quickly about whether it's from your secretary, whether it's from your babysitter about, or the daycare, you know, what's going on with your kid. And you can have those filtered through. And huh. for both men and women in court or in meetings with clients, it's a much more unobtrusive way to get those, those really important notifications that you may be expecting a call, but you don't want to have your phone laying right out there with the phone up because it makes it look like you're not present. It makes it look like you're not paying attention. Yep. But I think that lawyers of both genders are going to find that it's going to really give them this ability to both access um, important information quickly and be notified about it, but also the dictation really comes in. It makes it easier. A lot of people have said, I haven't tried it myself, but to dictate on the go, to talk to the watch rather than, although you look silly talking to any electronic <laughs> device. Yeah. But... <laughs> I think that's fascinating about the gender differences. I, I hadn't thought of that at all. Um, it's interesting that you bring up that point. Yeah, we're all going to be walking around like Maxwell Smart, if anybody remembers who that is um, anymore. So it sounds to me like you think the chief advantage of this wearable technology is that it's part of our costume, essentially, that we wear as business people anyway. And, that, and the trick is that it's going to look like we're not doing stuff that we're actually doing. It's going to be unobtrusive to clients, potential clients, potential referral sources. Is that about the size of it? as far as a main advantage? Well, that's what it is right now. The yeah. thing that's really interesting about these types of technologies, though, whether it's the iPhone or the tablet or the, the watch, is that you find that the users really decide what it is that they need it to do. And mm. then the developers start creating apps for those things. So when the yes. iPhone first came out, it was really, it didn't do much. <laughs> there weren't apps. And then when those third-party developers, when the API was opened up and they had access to it and could create apps... You saw a whole, you know, now the app store is a multi-billion dollar business feature that didn't exist before 2008. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see what comes of it. That's just what it seems like we could do with it. 
but it'll be really uh, interesting to see what happens. So that, that's a good segue into our next question. So yeah, obviously the apps are going to dictate a lot of what people are going to use as far as wearable technology is concerned. So beyond the Apple Watch and beyond Google Glass, what's next for lawyers in wearable technology? I do think that Apple Watch is sort of the gateway drug into wearables for lawyers and consumers in general. Just like I feel like Dropbox is the gateway drug to the cloud, especially for lawyers. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is once people start getting used to wearable technology and it becomes more prevalent through watches, then you're, I think that the concept of Google Glass and that type of wearable tech, then you're going to be able to make that leap a little more easily. And there are all sorts of useful ways um, the Google Glass can be used that you can't use your smartphone, that you can't use your um, smartwatch. And one of the ways that I found that is not at all related to practicing law, but it could possibly have applications was I enjoy cooking. And I used people used to try and encourage me to do cooking videos because of the photos I would post of the food that I cooked. Mm -hmm. And I would try to do them with like the uh, camera on my phone or with uh, or the camera on my computer, and it just didn't work out. But with Google Glass, you could, I could actually do a tutorial of sorts, a cooking tutorial, because it was from my perspective, and they could see what I was cooking. So it was yeah. really an interesting way to have this camera right there. And that's sort of what that law firm was doing, right, with um, allowing their client to wear it, to give, uh, show that from the client's perspective. So I do think once you get into the wearables that are glasses, and people start using that more, I honestly don't have an answer as to what's next from there. Maybe the contacts. Because once you get used yeah. to that screen projected out in front of your face, which is a really cool experience, that once you get used to that, you don't want the glasses. Why wouldn't you have it on your contacts so you have that there? But then that really does seem to become incredibly invasive and far off. Well, but we're moving yeah. so fast, who knows? Yes, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a thin line between cool and terrifying, right? I guess it frees up your hands, too, which is another thing that we haven't talked about. But having your hands free to do other things while you're working on these devices is interesting. That's a good point. So sort of, um, I can see the advertising campaign now, right? Apple Watch, the marijuana of wearable technology. Um, <laughs> It's it kind of interesting. First. <laughs> That's right. It's kind of interesting as well that you think that the Apple Watch is going to start to normalize Google Glass, even though Google Glass came out first. I think that's an interesting take. Yeah, that is too. Yeah. See, you're brilliant. So, <laughs> let's finish up with this. So, attorneys have to watch out for professional ethics in relation to any technology they use in the practice. So, what do attorneys have to look out for when it comes to legal ethics and wearable technology, in your opinion? Wearable tech is just an extension of mobile tech, which is just an extension of tech. And mm -hmm. when it comes to technology, lawyers have a duty to exercise due diligence when choosing a technology provider and when securing their technology. So they have to understand or hire somebody who does the different forms of technology. But they really do need to stay abreast of changing technologies and they need yeah. to take um, reasonable steps to ensure that their confidential client data is maintained in a secure fashion, so it stays mm -hmm. confidential. So at the end of the day, it's no different than third-party storage of physical documents. You need to do the same, th the same thing with that if they're confidential docs. Yeah. You need yep. to do the same thing with confidential digital client data. You have to exercise the same standards. You have to stay abreast of changing tech, and that's important because the ABA model rules, the comment to, I think it was rule 1.1, might be 1.2, was yeah, recently 1. revised. 1. Yeah, it was revised to indicate that lawyers need to stay abreast of changing tech, and a bunch of different other jurisdictions are now adopting that 
mm-hmm. requirement. So you need to stay abreast of changing technology and at least understand it even if you don't use it. And if you do use it, you need to really thoroughly vet the providers and understand the tech you're using and take reasonable steps to ensure that your confidential client data remains confidential. That's not so bad. Not so, really. All right. Well, Nikki, I, I just checked my Apple Watch and it's time for us to wrap this up, unfortunately. Or was I checking my email? We'll never know. <laughs> Thank you for this instructive conversation, though. This has been great. We've reached the end of this episode of the Legal Toolkit. But you can check out all of our shows anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again, Nikki Black, for taking the time to come by the virtual studio today to talk about wearable technology for lawyers. All right, Nikki, how can our listeners learn more about you and my case? Well, thanks so much for having me. I, I have really had a great time. It was a really interesting conversation. And in terms of learning more about my case, which is a um, web-based software that allows you to manage your practice from anywhere using any internet-enabled device, including your laptop, um, mycase.com, M-Y-C-A-S-E.com, and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial, no credit card required, and give it a test drive. And to learn more about me, you can go to NicoleBlackESQ.com, and that website just tells a little bit about me, past speaking engagements, articles I've written, that type of thing. Thanks, Nikki. And, and definitely don't be wary of either Nikki or my case. They've both been around <laughs> and they both know what they're doing. Um, so thanks again, Nikki. And thanks to all my of you pleasure. out there for continuing to listen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.